What's going on, good people, and welcome to Live by the Three with your boy Curly. Big shout out to returning listeners, and if you're a first time listener, thank you for joining me, and I hope you enjoy the show. Now, before we get down to business, I think it's important that I ask this questions for all Raptors fans. How are we feeling today? You feeling good? Feeling confident? Feeling nervous? Feeling anxious? How's your blood pressure? Well, I don't know about you, but my pressure is fine and I'm feeling damn good. It's a great time to be a Raptors fan and an exciting one at that. But before we get into our review of Game 4 and Game 5, I think it's important that we acknowledge and congratulate the 2022 NBA Rookie of the Year, Scotty Barnes, who ended up edging out Evan Mobley, who was the apparent shoe-in for Rookie of the Year. But Scotty Barnes had different plans. He ended up closing out the season averaging 15.3 points, seven and a half rebounds, and three and a half assists. According to reports, it was the smallest margin of voting since they began the voting system 19 years ago. And Scotty Barnes ended up finishing with 378 total votes to Evan Mobley's 363. And the right person won it. I think Scotty Barnes has been the most outstanding rookie this year. Not to say that Evan Mobley, Kate Cunningham, Jalen Green, and the rest did not have great seasons it's just Scotty Barnes had a better season he was more impactful he ended up carving out an important role for himself on an already established team we're not the same without Scotty Barnes and it's become evident especially in in games two and three but we've seen that many times during the regular season and he's only getting better he's a superstar in the making and i think this is one of the rare moments in nba history where you have the top four out of the five picks with superstar potential and it's an it's very exciting that we were able to get one of them so once again congratulations to scotty barnes now let's take a walk back down memory lane to game four april 23rd the same day that scotty barnes was announced rookie of the year in a do or die situation for the raptors as they host the sixers now before this game nick nurse was asked about being down 3-0 and this is what you expect from your head coach one of your leaders for your team and organization to say And I quote, if it gets to 3-1, it's not 3-0 anymore. And 3-1 has been done, end quote. You absolutely love that. If that doesn't inspire you, I don't know what will. And if you go back to the last episode, there were a couple adjustments that the Raptors needed to do in order for this to be possible for it to be 3-1. And that was to resist the double teams of Joel Embiid and James Harden as often as it's been to get out in transition, speed up the tempo of the game, and to take perimeter shots. The Sixers have been far too comfortable staying in the paint, going into their zone. The Raptors have not put any pressure on them on the defensive side of the ball. This was the opportunity to do so. So as game four went on, this marks the eventual return of Scotty Barnes. He was coming off the bench, but unfortunately for the Raptors, and we've been dealing with this all season long. We get one player back, one goes out. Fred Van Vliet ended up with a strained hip flexor on the left side, and he ended up leaving the game in the second quarter and visibly frustrated, ended up doing his best impression of Hulk Hogan ripping his jersey in two and you just feel for him he put in a lot of work in the early part of the season making himself an all-star ended up with some knee issues and now his hip you can only imagine how he's feeling and 
you wondered how the Raptors were going to respond and who would be the man to step up in the absence of one of their leaders in Fred Van Vliet. And that individual was Pascal Siakam, who had a tremendous game, a bounce back game. He acknowledged that he could have been better in game three. He didn't even realize that the second half he was non-existent and he made it a point early on in this game to be aggressive to keep the defense on honest keep the defense on his toes and just constantly put pressure on them and that was one of my keys that the raptors had to do in order for them to be successful this game and they were aggressive right off the bat they were playing up tempo got in a little bit of a track meet with the sixers and they had to find a way to generate turnovers from their aggressive defense and they were able to accomplish that as well as holding joel and b to single digits in the first half and in the second half the sixers began to make their push typically in the third quarter as, as they have done before but any time the sixers went on a run pascal was there to hit a shot gary trent was a breath of fresh air this game he was hitting timely shots thaddeus young with his playmaking finding chris boucher on the backdoor cuts on more than one occasion that was great to see Scotty Barnes being aggressive on the defensive glass. OG with his defense. As you can tell, it took a collaborative team effort, especially when Fred Van Vliet went down. You saw the Raptors elevate their level of play and it carried out to the end of the game. The Raptors ended up coming away with the victory. 110 to 102, forcing a game five. The Sixers shot 34 for 80 from the field, getting the 42%. 13 for 31 from three, giving them 42%. 21 for 25 from the free throw line, giving them 84%. The Raptors shot 37 for 88, giving them 42% from the field. Eight for 34 from three, giving them 24%. And they took care of business from the line. And actually getting the benefit of the whistle, 28 for 35, giving them 80% from the free throw line. The Sixers were led by James Harden, who logged in 42 minutes, but shot terribly from the field. Once again, 22 points nine assists Joel Embiid chipped in with 21 points eight rebounds and he did not shoot particularly well both him and Harden shot better from the free throw line than they did from the field Tobias Harris with a double double 15 points 11 rebounds for the Raptors like I said Pascal Siakam had a tremendous game 34 points eight rebounds five assists Gary Trent struggled from the field but hitting timely shots and he was aggressive with his shots 24 points three rebounds one assist Thaddeus Young 13 points five rebounds five assists and OG chipped in with 11 points pascal siakam knew he had to be better this game and he was all over the place for the raptors he was aggressive with the shots aggressive on the drives drawing double teams spinning away from the double teams whatnot he definitely left his mark and another great thing to take away from this game is Joel Embiid while he did get to the free throw line nine times he logged in 39 minutes and if you look back to some of his other playoff performances he didn't average more than 33 34 minutes per game and I said that if you're going to have any opportunity to beat the Sixers you want to get Joel Embiid tired and they have no choice but to play him and even though he has a torn ligament in his shooting hand in his thumb and he it was visibly hurting him one of the 
opportunities he had to check in. He had to take a pain pill to assist with the, the torn ligament in his shooting hand. And I've had that injury, folks, and it is not a very fun one. So, I mean, kudos to him for, for playing through the injury. But uh, at what cost? He, he did not have the impact that he would have liked. The team did not rally behind him. And there was at times where he was left alone on an island and he was just getting beat one-on-one -on -one just because he did not have the energy to play defense. I mean, you're asking a 280 pound to 300 pound man, seven foot to guard shifty, six seven six eight six nine players it is not a recipe for success and the raptors took advantage but a couple numbers that stood out to me was the main difference in this game and like i said you had to speed up the game you had to get into that up-tempo basketball you had to get out on transition and the raptors took advantage of that this game they had 12 points to the six or seven and second chance points 21 to 10 fast break points in favor of the raptors and 22 points to the sixers three points off turnovers even though the raptors look good in the half court their bread and butter is getting offense from their defense and those numbers reflect that and they basically ran the sixers out of the scotia bank arena they're only down three to one your hope was that they'd be able to replicate that in game five so let's see if they did exactly that game five april 25th back to philly hostile environment without fred van vliet how would the raptors fare in game five well they did not disappoint and they replicated the same formula in game five as they did in game four joel Embiid was left on an island at times on the defensive side of the ball he saw different matchups at different times at different possessions and you can tell that he was visibly frustrated with the way that the Raptors are playing him he was not getting the benefit of the whistle and before we go a little further I'd like to point out if you didn't know already that Joel Embiid after game four was asked about the officiating and he complained about the calls this is the same guy that told Nick Nurse that respectfully told them to stop complaining about calls he didn't say complain he used another word but this is a clean show or at least as clean as can be and he told them to stop complaining about calls and here was Joel Embiid complaining about the same thing and I mean he's a complainer he's a whiner so he was complaining in game four he definitely complained in game five and he had he had valid reasons to an extent that the Raptors were being physical and the and I love the fact that the the referees allowed the Raptors to be physical. Now the difference between game four and five within within the first three games is that the Raptors are being smarter. They are picking and choosing when to be aggressive, when to dial it back. Their defensive schemes and defensive rotations have been on point they're still letting the corner three go but that's to be expected they did it all season long don't expect it to change right now but they are competing on both sides of the basketball it did not matter who was on Joel Embiid or who Joel Embiid was guarding they kept the pressure on him and they did not let up and in my humble opinion the Raptors 
dominated game five winning three out of the four quarters they come away with the victory 103 to 88 cutting the lead down for the sixers three games to two the raptor shot 42 for 82 from the field giving them 51 percent eight for 31 from three giving them 26 percent they didn't make it to the free throw line as much as they did in game four but it didn't matter they were aggressive with their shot taking and they were making them so it did not matter 11 for 13 from the line giving them 85 percent the sixer shot 31 for 81 giving them 38 percent from the field they shot 10 for 37 from three giving them 27 percent 16 for 20 from the free throw line giving them 80 percent the rafters had five players and double figures 23 points 10 rebounds from pascal giving him a double double 12 points 8 rebounds from scotty barnes 16 and 5 from og 16 and 1 from gary trent jr precious achua who just turned it on in the second half he chipped in with 17 points seven rebounds for the sixers double double for joel Embiid, 20 points 11 rebounds harden struggled scoring 15 points seven assists and he scored one more point than danny green 14 points for danny green 12 for maxi 16 for harris now even though the raptors did not shoot well from the perimeter they dominated the sixers in the paint and it almost seemed at will that they were able to get to the basket 56 points to the Sixers 36. They also took care of the up-tempo transition basketball 24 points to the Sixers 16 in fast break and like I said, they were disciplined on the defensive side of the ball. 20 points off of turnovers to the Sixers 9. Again, there's not much you can say other than the Raptors put together dominating performances in game four and game five replicating the same kind of formula and putting the pressure on Joel Embiid to lead them he logged in another 39 minutes Tyrese Maxey 41 Tobias Harris 44 minutes and for the Raptors we only had two players breaking 40 minutes and that was Pascal and Scotty Barnes and even though Scotty Barnes logged in 40 minutes it's a step in the right direction knowing that his ankle is getting better and with the additional time for game six you can only hope and pray that he he's only getting better and he definitely was better in game five so that brings us to game six and that's happening on april 28th back in the scotia bank arena listen there's not much more i can say other than i believe the raptors have finally figured out how to beat the Sixers. The Raptors have been playing with house money. They have a chance to make history. And if you look at how the Raptors were celebrating after game five, they don't look like a team that's down three games to two. You would think that they're up three games to two or they have won the series four games to two. And if it wasn't for that buzzer beater in game three, the Raptors would be up three games to two. I truly believe that. But the Raptors believe they could win this series and why shouldn't they they've been doubted all season long they've been doubted all series long and if there's any team that can come back from a 3-0 deficit you got to believe it's the Raptors now I know coming back from an 0-3 deficit it's a 0-143 record in NBA history but there's only few teams that have 
made it 3-1. Even fewer teams to made it make it 3-2. And fewer than that to make it 3-3, let alone force a Game 7. And I believe there's only three teams that have ever forced a Game 7 after falling behind 3-0. That's the 0-3 Blazers against the Mavericks, the 94 Nuggets against the Jazz, and the 1951 Knicks versus the Rochester Royals. I didn't even know that was a team up until I read it. So once again, the Raptors are on the verge of making history. Now for the Sixers, they are also on the verge of making history after being up two to one last season over the Atlanta Hawks only to lose in game seven being up 3-1, to one, or up 0-3, I should say, against the Raptors to now only have a 3-2 to two lead. And we already know the narrative surrounding Doc Rivers with him blowing 3-1 three, three to one leads in the playoffs. You can't help but think that there is a tremendous amount of pressure on the Philadelphia 76ers. Now, I don't expect them to go quietly, but it seems that their lack of depth after the James Harden trade is now playing a factor. They can only play George Niang so much before he becomes a defensive liability. They literally only have four players to lead them. And now the Raptors have figured out James Harden. They figured out Tyrese Maxey. They already know what to do with Joel Embiid, which leaves Tobias Harris. And I don't think Tobias Harris is able at this point in his career to lead the Sixers to victory at this present moment. But pressure bursts pipes, and you can't help but think that the pipes are bursting in Philadelphia. And the thing that's even more tremendous, and I don't wanna sound like I'm gloating because the Raptors still have to win game six to force a game seven, but the Philly fan base, they are so quick to turn on their own. Like you had Joel Embiid uh, complaining that James Harden's lack of aggression is, is now playing a part, that you had the Sixers fans leaving the arena with two minutes and 56 seconds left in the fourth quarter. You know that if it was Scotiabank and in Toronto, even Jurassic Park, that that would have never happened being up or being down. The Raptors faithful would have stuck around. It is crazy how much the fall off is for that team. And one can only imagine what would happen in game six. The Raptors come away with the victory and force a game seven back in Philadelphia. It must be one of the most uncomfortable environments for a home team if there ever was one. So game six, April 28th. Back in Scotiabank Arena, Raptors fans, you know what to do. Bring that vibe, bring that energy. We ain't going down without a fight. And like Nick Nurse said, if somebody could do it, it would be us. And we ain't got nothing to lose. So a little update on Fred Van Vliet. It appears that he is listed as doubtful for game six with his hip flexor strain. I don't imagine him playing in game six the raptors were able to play well without fred van vliet now i know some raptors faithful are saying that we're better without him and we need to trade him now and like i said in the previous episode we just need to stop with that 
It's just unfortunate that he got injured. I mean, we tolerated uh, OG's injury plague seasons at times. So why can't we do the same for Freddie? Now I know he struggled. You can't help but think that the, er the heavy minutes logged in in the early parts of the season has now come back to haunt him a little bit. But thankfully, there's nothing wrong. I don't think he'll be available for game six. I don't think he should play game six. And if he is able to come back, we could definitely use his shooting in a closeout game in game seven. And I think that he should come off the bench if he's able to return in any capacity. But there's no excuses, just like how I don't feel sorry for Joel Embiid for stepping onto the floor. I'm not going to feel sorry for Fred Van Vliet for stepping onto the floor. Same with Scotty Barnes. If you are able to suit up and find yourself on the floor ready to go, then that's my assumption is that you are ready to go. And there's no excuses at that point. So we wish Freddie a speedy recovery, but it does not look like he'll be ready to go for game six. Now let's take a look around the association with the rest of the playoff matchups. So you have the Jazz tie the series 2-2 with their victory on April 23rd, 100-99. The Celtics went up three games to none over the Nets, 109-103. The Timberwolves come away with the victory and they tie the series up 2-2, 119-118. On April 24th, the Milwaukee Bucks took care of business against the Chicago Bulls, beating them. 119 to 95 giving them a three to one series lead the nuggets avoided a sweep bringing the series within two with their 126 121 victory over the warriors the heat take down the atlanta hawks 110 to 86 giving them a three to one series lead and the pelicans tied up the series against the phoenix suns 118 to 103 and they're still without devin booker and as you already know, Raptors came away with the victory in Game 5 on Monday. The Boston Celtics complete a very surprising sweep, in my opinion, 116 to 112 over the Brooklyn Nets. Kind of begs the question now if we are now seeing the end or the dwindling down of the super team era where a great team can defeat two great players. So very interesting to see what's going to happen for the Brooklyn Nets and where they go from here. But Boston's moving on, waiting the winner of the Milwaukee Bucks and Chicago Bulls series. And we can agree that it would definitely be the Bucks as the injury bug and health bug continue to plague the Chicago Bulls. Zach Levine has entered health and safety protocol over the weekend. So it's really DeMar against the Milwaukee Bucks. Don't like how that's going to end up. The Mavericks handled the utah jazz in convincing fashion donovan mitchell tried to play through a hamstring injury that he suffered during the game but i don't understand why they're forcing him to play at this point but they lose 102 to 77 the mavericks are up three to two in their series on april 26 the heat eliminated the atlanta hawks in my opinion put them out of their misery shorthanded without jimmy butler without kyle lowry 97 to 94 had a big game from Victor Oladipo. He had 23 points for the Heat and a double-double for Bam Adebayo with 20 points and 11 rebounds. The Hawks were led by DeAndre Hunter, who had th he had a double-double, 35 points and 11 rebounds. And Trey Young struggled mightily, shooting 2 for 12 from the field, 0 for 5 from 3. He had 11 points, 8 rebounds, 8 assists. And the only reason why I read those stats out is you expect your best players to be the best when it matters most and 
the Hawks are not built for long-term success. I know that Trey Young is a, is a superstar in the making. He needs a lot more help and the, the Heat were able to just handle him convincingly over the last two games most notably and they're awaiting the winners of the Sixers Raptors series. The Memphis Grizzlies won in thrilling fashion over the Timberwolves. The Timberwolves blew another lead and it just so happens that Carl Anthony Towns, whenever he's taunting the crowd, that's where he jinxes the team and right after he told the crowd to shush with his finger over his mouth the the grizzlies went on a 13-0 run and they come away with a victory 111 to 109 giving them a 3-2 series lead and the phoenix suns without devin booker once again who's going to be off for quite some time they handled the new orleans pelicans and they were led by mikhail bridges who scored 31 points and he had and he was an absolute monster on the defensive side of the ball Coming away with one seal and four blocks, 112 to 97, and they take a three to two series lead. And coming up on April 27th, we got the Bulls and Bucks in an elimination game for the Bulls. Again, the Bucks with a three to one series lead and elimination game for the Denver Nuggets. They are down three games to one against the Warriors. So potentially a couple of eliminations coming up on April 27th. Let's see how that plays out. So continuing on with our look around the association, Donovan Mitchell intends to play in game six despite the hamstring injury. And it's as simple as this. He said, and I quote, I'm good to go. I'll be ready, end quote. So soft tissue injury seems to be the MO of this season, especially in the playoffs. You can only wish him well, but hamstring injuries are one that linger. Good news for New Orleans Pelicans fans. CJ McCollum plans to retire with the Pelicans and he's eligible for an extension on August 9th. And he said that he is not going anywhere, that he's here and he's fully committed to the franchise. And I quote, I'm 30 years old and I have a son who is 13 weeks old. I'm married. When you have something good, you hold on to it. This is something fun for both sides. We're going to grow. I'm still learning the city. I'm going to find a house, end quote. So he definitely seems comfortable off the court. He definitely seems comfortable on the court. You definitely hope that it can continue because CJ McCollum looks rejuvenated playing alongside Brandon Ingram and Jonas Valanciunas. I am very curious to see how he looks if and when Zion Williamson returns. And to cap off the injuries that continue to grow in the NBA playoffs, Andre Iguodala is out for one week with a neck injury. And it's a reoccurring injury that he's had in the past. And apparently this injury has been called a left cervical disc injury. And he was already limited to 31 of the 82 games this past regular season. But the depth of the Warriors will definitely help fill the void. You hope that Iggy recovers well and quickly, but I absolutely think the Warriors are going to be fine without him. And that brings us to the end of this episode. Short and sweet, but efficient. The Raptors take on the Sixers. Game six, another do or die scenario on April 28th, hosting the Sixers at Scotiabank Arena. Raptors fans, those attending, those who are in Jurassic Park, those listening, send them those positive vibes. Bring that energy. Bring that ruckus. Let's show the Sixers that we ain't going down without a fight. Let's go Raptors. And as usual, any news in relation to the podcast, Raptors content, you can find it all on the Instagram page at live by the dot number three, L-I-V-E 
B-Y-T-H-E period number three. Follow, like, comment. And until the next episode, everyone, please stay safe. Good people. Peace. Thank you.